podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. And with the season just over two weeks away, on this pre-season edition of the pod, we'll be taking a look at just what shape the big six teams find themselves in as overseas tours wind to a close and Premier League games loom ever nearer. So to start us off, we're diving into last season's fourth place, Tottenham Hotspur, as Antonio Conte looks to remold Spurs into a steelier side that's able to close the gap on the teams above them whilst going deep in the Champions League. So joining me on the pod to lend us his insight, I'm delighted to welcome back Seb Stafford-Bleur from Tifo Football and The Athletic. Welcome back, Seb. Thanks very much for having me, Harry. No, yeah, good to speak. We're, you know, I'm sort of slowly easing myself back into um, the world of uh, men's football, certainly. Um, I've been enjoying watching the, the the women's Euros that's been going on over the past uh, sort of few weeks or so. But um, yeah, very much after last season, I felt, um, despite doing no physical exercise on par with any of the players, <laughs> I felt quite burnt out. Uh, so, so. It felt like you'd done the running with them, right? Yeah. I mean, I was you know, covering each and every game. And uh, you know, it's fun that you know, a team can play in every single game they're able to play in. But actually, by the time we got towards the end of it, uh, <laughs> we we felt it, um, but um, yeah, it's been slowly as these preseason tours have been have been winding on, and um, some hilarious uh, um, reminders of some of the the trophies that exist in these preseason tours as well um, that I've been uh, seeing online as uh, sort of different teams make their way around um, different parts of the world, and you see sort of yeah, <laughs> how how appreciative the fans are to to see them. But um, I want to dive into to sort of. Looking at the top four um, and sort of doing this sort of rival series where we dive into just what shape the rivals are in, effectively. So um, we want to start with um, sort of Tottenham and, of course, very strong finish to last season in the end. So when it mattered the most, the team secured some really big results, four wins out of the last five at sort of a crunch point um, to secure Champions League football, um, you know, Amongst them, that, that draw at Anfield, I mean, I think we last spoke ahead of that game. Um, yeah. That obviously proved pivotal in the, in the end to sort of Liverpool falling just short of the of the title, but that obviously wasn't the only reason. Um, but um, really impressive performance. I mean, we, we can talk about that a little bit. But also, uh, you know, an emphatic win um, over Arsenal uh, as well in the, in the North London derby in a game that was being so hyped up and hyped up as this big Champions League decider did come down to it, I suppose. In the end, it was very pivotal uh, and for Tottenham to have shown up and sort of dispatched Arsenal, um, who was sort of really running on fumes, it seemed like, at, towards the end of the season, um, in such a way, and then finish the season in such a strong, strong way, you know, grinding out the 1-0-1 against Burnley, 5 0 emphatic win against Norwich on, on the final day. Um, I, I suppose I just wanted to, just wanted to start there and ask you, 
um, what you made to the end of the season. Because, I mean, at plenty of points, it didn't look like that was going to be the case that Spurs would actually secure Champions League football. Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, I think that night at Anfield was really, really important because I see, I think I, th- I see the difference between um, Tottenham and Arsenal in that race for fourth. And yeah, it, it became a kind of a psychological um, conflict. Um, yeah. They went to Anfield. I, I thought they <clears throat> probably deserved to win that night. Um, I know it finished 1-1, but I, I thought they played very, very well, um, defended excellently, and were it not for that sort of deflected Diasco, um they probably would have mm. got, a, got home. But then if you look at the kind of the pattern of the season, I think Spurs managed to start getting results when they needed to. Anfield was a good example of that. Then um, they, you mentioned the Burnley game. They really didn't play very well against Burnley, um, but they won. Um, and the Arsenal game was funny because it was, um, I mean, it, it's become this kind of um, sort of quasi-controversial fixture, whereas nothing controversial really happened that night. I mean, um, Arsenal gave away a stupid penalty. Arsenal player got himself sent off and they got battered. Um, and I feel like the response to that and all the kind of the silliness that that result bred um, bled into the um, into the, the defeat they suffered at Newcastle. And it was, I mean, it was, it was yes, Spurs, Spurs um, did improve dramatically under Conte. They did play very, very well. But I think what I was left with was at the end of the season, fantastic Champions League um but let's make sure that everybody realizes that Spurs are here because um Arsenal collapsed and Spurs were able to take advantage of that whereas a better side a more emotionally mature side um team uh, a team that could call on sort of greater depth probably would have beaten them into fifth um and so I kind of I, I entered summer thinking they really need to, to strengthen and get better mm. um but it was very heartening it was kind of um it felt almost like a role reversal because this is the kind of thing that used to happen to Tottenham at the hands of Arsenal. Like, you know, they used to kind of, there's this great build up and this is the year and this is the year and we're so much better. And this is, you know, this is improving, improving, improving. And then when it came down to it at the moment where it actually mattered, they would fall away and they would do something silly or they would um, produce a non-performance at a critical moment. And these are all things that happened to Arsenal um, beyond, you know, their, um, Beyond their uh, their defeat to Tottenham and to Newcastle, I mean, they got hammered by Palace. They lost at home to Brighton. Like there are quite a few um, kind of Spursisms within um, the latter half of that season. So um, I I hope that it would be contextualised and people would be sort of not oh well you know we're back in the Champions League now so don't really need to do any investing um, because you know top four <laughs> which yeah. I'm afraid at different points in the past has been the case and has been the mistake mm-hmm. um, but it was. It was great. And I also, um, look, I, I'm getting older, um, but I'm certainly not above enjoying um, a rival fan base absolutely lose their mind <laughs> as a result of the disappointment. Because it has been, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Just the sort of the, um, the kind of the, the social media behaviors and the sort of the, mm. um, just the, it's just broken them. It was fabulous. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Like I, 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 I tried to stay out of quite a lot of it, to be honest, but, um, uh, yeah, Arsenal fans online are very, very interesting. Um, because very energetic, um, they, 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 they internet hard, don't they? <laughs> yeah, internet hard is a, is is a good is a good way of saying it because um, I always found it. I mean, again, didn't mean to be arrogant, didn't mean to be dismissive, but certainly like some some of the comments I was hearing ahead of um, like Liverpool's games with them um, early in the season when they were in you know, in, in good form, you know, like playing well. 
um, some of the comments that I was hearing around, you know, what was going to happen in those games and things like that. And I was just like, this, yeah, I was like, this yeah, is, yeah, yeah, this, is yeah. this is, this is delusion. This is delusional. You know, that, 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 that you're doing very well. You know, I'm happy for you. Great. Got loads of family who are Arsenal fans. Um, but like, no, you, 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 you may get a rude awakening if, if like, you know, if, if you really believe you're, um, at a certain level, for example. And then, um, yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of, uh, family in North London and the, the WhatsApp always gets very, uh, very lively ahead of those games. And yeah, just the, just the, the radio silence on that WhatsApp chat for the last <laughs> five or six weeks of the season. Um, and then actually, uh, just almost to prove the point, uh, the next time I saw, uh, one of my, uh, uncles who's a big Arsenal fan, um, was the day after the Champions League, uh, final. I went to a yeah. pa- family party, um, and just was there to see everybody. And before he even said, like, oh, hi, how are you doing? The first thing he did was just laugh at me. And I was like, okay, well, there, <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah. That, 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 that's where we are, yeah. right? You're laughing at others for losing in a Champions League final. Okay, sure. <laughs> that's, but yeah, yeah, to your point, I think, some examples there as to sort of why they weren't in the right position to handle what happened, um, like too well towards the end of the season. I, it, it was funny though, because it was like, I mean, an honest assessment would be that, you know, um, they improved. They have got, they have yeah. got a lot better. Mm. And I think their general direction is um, positive. Yeah, yeah. It's really positive. The, the trouble is, is that, um, Arsenal are overcovered as a football team. Um, yeah. Because yeah. I think the table would say, I, I think the table is, is truthful and that they are probably the fifth best team in the country at the moment. Um, uh, Man United just being hopeless kind of muddled <laughs> things a little. But, um, because they're a London team, um, and because they were successful, um, they have had a very successful kind of Premier League era, um, in relative terms. Um, they're a little bit overcovered. And so what you have in that situation is, these little improvements, which are very, very real. Like I think, um, you know, I, I really like players like Saka and Smith Rowe. I think they're fantastic. And exactly. I, I think I really like, I really like the Jay Z signing, by the way. I think that's great. And Odegaard made a difference. And, you know, so there's, there's loads of stuff. And Martinelli, um, Jurgen Klopp seems to like Martinelli a lot. Huh, huh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so there, there are these things. It's just that, um, and, and we're all guilty of this. I'm not, I'm not picking on Arsenal fans, but like they, they went early with it. Yeah. Um, no, exactly. Also, yeah. The Ramsdale stuff as well. Like yeah. Ramsdale's a good goalkeeper. No, he's not an excellent one. Yes. He's a good goalkeeper. He reminds me a little bit of someone like um, Simon Mignolet. Oh, that's um, the perfect the comparison. <laughs> he'll make some brilliant saves, but might, he will he will yeah. he will have some bad moments. And yeah. um, I suppose also a bit of Chesney in him because he makes a lot of noise, does a lot yeah, of talking. Yeah, it's quite loud. Yeah. And then there's an error at a bad moment, and it it looks a little bit silly. But then. That's fine. That's his personality. And, um, I'd rather an aggressive goalkeeper than a docile one. Um, mm-hmm. but you end up when you do that and what well, I've done myself, like you, you do end up, um, looking a little bit silly and, um, you can have a bad summer. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. And a, I think on the Rams, I think it was, it was a similar, a similar case. I remember receiving a message from one of my cousins about, uh, telling me about how Ramsdale was better than, um, Allison. And I just left it on. I, 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 I just, I just left. It was early. It was really early in the season. And I just, I just left it. I just left it uh, on red. And there was, there, there, there was a point yeah. later in the season where I, I probably had a few too many. And I was, I was looking at this DM and going, do I? And I was like, no, I don't. Yeah. I'm in a better place. It's my younger cousin. I'm not, I'm not gonna, <laughs> he, 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 he'll learn the same way I learned, you know, like these things. These things happen. You can talk yourself into these places. Um, but in, in terms of the end of the season, and you mentioned there, like kicking on 
And I do want to get to talk about the, you know, the, the players who've come in so far in the recruitment. But I think one thing that was sort of interesting when we spoke last time was the, there was a sort of a slight feeling of detachment to what was going on at Tottenham just because there was that sense of, you know, uncertainty created by the lack of you know, explicit commitment to the job that Conte was showing because I think he wasn't, he wasn't sure it seemed like he was going to get the backing yeah. that he, he felt that he needed to, to, to really take Spurs forward. Um, and that, you know, obviously created sort of a, yeah, a level of, a level of detachment. He you know, certainly got animated on the touchline. Was certainly, I thought certainly towards the end of the season, as it became clearer that they were, Tottenham were going to secure Champions League football. He, he was fully bought in. Um, and now, yeah, he seems, he seems, he seems fully locked in. He's, uh, you know, this 150 million, by the war chest that he's, um, uh, been given, um, actually, I don't like using the phrase war chest, but he's been given the money, um, by, um, Daniel Levy and, um, We'll talk about some of the recruitment um, in in a bit, but um, just wanted to ask you how you're feeling around towards Conte now that you know, the fact that he does seem like he's he's invested into the project now. Um, you know, it's a full preseason with the squad. It's going to be the first full season under Conte as well. Um, are, are, you, are you feeling a bit differently towards him? Yeah, I mean, I, I still I still see him as quite a, a temporary figure in right. my fandom um, because. Yes, he, he's there now and he's got the investment, but it, I don't see that as being a guarantee that he'll be there for longer than a year. Um, but then that's okay because I, I feel like that's the partnership we've entered into here is that um, he is a he is someone that will be quite transient. Um, and at the same time, not every managerial era can be a kind of dynastic affair, a Pochettino situation, a Klopp situation. Like You're not always going to have that connection. You're not always going to have a club that sort of builds itself up around a single figure and kind of adopts and acquires their personality. It's just, that's a really rare privilege. And I think, um, I think it's always the way though, isn't it? Like you, when you look back on those times, you realize how special they were. It was a very, very, um, it was a wonderful time. Um, but I'm enjoying the change he seems to have inspired. I think the kind of he's forced Daniel Levy to spend money thing is a little bit overdone. I just think that, um, the club's financial situation has improved. Um, obviously, um, there's a lot of debt. Um, there's a lot of kind of um, legacy of the pandemic years. Uh, at the same time, um, it's very, very fortunate that they built the new stadium when they did because that is going to be a tremendous advantage going forward in terms of like obviously things like hosting non-footballing events and making money out of it, but also match day income is vast compared to what it used to be. Um so, um, you know, Conte was a factor in that, but not the only one. Um, and I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the new season, which is um, I haven't done for a while, actually, even after the even after the 2019 season, the Champions League final year. I wasn't hugely looking forward to the next year because I, I felt like the team had I felt actually like the team had reached its apex about a year before and I knew what was coming. Um, but I feel like this time they've actually behaved like a little bit of a you know, an apex predator in the market. Mm. Um, they're not Man City or Chelsea, except that Man United. But um, some of the behaviours are really encouraging, like taking um, taking really important players away from other Premier League teams feels like a, you know, a, it, it feels very, I don't say statement of intent, it's a little bit of a bit trite. But um, for instance, like, I, I can't remember a time when Tottenham just said, yeah, we'll have a Richarlison. We'll take that from you, thank you. Um, Everton will stamp on your head while you're drowning, um, you know that kind of thing. And 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 it's it's been a bit, um, yeah, it's 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 been different. But 
then again like you see also um you see also kind of the speed of the recruitment um which is unusual like it's very weird to be in what is it today uh we're recording this on sunday so it's 17th of july and the season starts a little bit earlier so we're actually only like two and a half weeks away but um everything's kind of done i mean there are probably a couple of players that they could do with bringing in but everything's pretty much all their needs have been done we're not in a situation where well we'll start the season and we'll you know take maybe three points out of nine and then you know on the final days of the final hours of the transfer window then we'll see what's going it's like no need a right wing back need a left wing back we need a, a backup forward and we need a new center half and we need a um another midfielder and they've done it all i mean um Jed Spence hasn't been announced yet, but that's been completed. Um, and they've done everything, which is, which is kind of weird. I don't, mm. I don't know how to respond to that. But And it's all pretty good. Like, it's a mix of, like, um, there's a, you know, I think Spence is a little bit of a punt. I think he's a good player. I don't know how good he can be. But, like, if you look at, like, a Parasit, just, I mean, can you imagine what that guy was like in his prime? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, Jesus. Um, yeah, I he's just it's... a killer, isn't he? Like, he, he's... Uh, he's just he's a player you want he's a competitor he's won everything really at a club level not international level but um just a really really good footballer i don't care how old he is he's yeah. just an excellent guy to have around i was going to um, say yeah from a mentality perspective to have someone like that in the dressing room alongside yeah, conte yeah. that I mean i feel like conte would almost bring him in just for that <laughs> like yeah, this this guy's yeah. still got a lot to offer on the pitch but um he's, he, yeah, he, 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 he could be my general in that uh in that oh, dressing room you, 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 he could play on my team any day, even Perisic. Um, and I think that's the kind of, it's indicative of the kind of player that they wouldn't have signed mm-hmm. in previous series because, um, yes, he came on a free transfer, but no doubt there's a considerable, um, yeah. uh, impact on wages because he would have been a very desired player, a very coveted player across, across Europe. Um, so you mix him in with Richarlison, who is, um, he's a good player. I mean, I feel like there's still room for improvement there. And I tell you what, I always hated playing against him. Like I, 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 I can say this now because he's a Spurs player, but it just like, he's, um, he's, he's such an antagonizing, provocative player. And, yeah. and I feel like I've always felt like he goes to ground far too easily. Um, mm-hmm. but then I suppose fine if you have that kind of player on your team you don't necessarily um endorse the way he plays all the time but it's better to have that type than sort of i feel like spurs have had too many nice players in the past like too many players that are like yeah i like him he's great isn't he like, like okay but I, I, want, I want i want i want a few more of our guys to be hated <laughs> in the kind of eric lamella way right <laughs> um, so that's great um uh long lays uh alone but I feel like he's a bit of a reclamation project. I saw him have some pretty difficult times at Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's a, a player that needs to be rebuilt. But then, you know, it's a depth signing. It's an area that needed improving, specifically the left side of that three, three-man three um, defence. Um, and Basuma, Basuma's a really good player. Look, I mean, I'll be honest, when it happened, um, because it happened before he was cleared of the charges that were still out against him, um, I didn't really think of it in a football sense. I was kind of, um, I don't know, like I, 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 football's not always the most important thing. Um, and now that he's been cleared and now there's no case to, to answer for him, that, that's fantastic. And you can focus on what he does in a footballing perspective. I just thought that I found it confusing that it was announced and that there was no sort mm. of, um, no I, 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 understand, 
Yeah, it's a difficult uh, situation, Lee, because um, he wasn't charged, and and so people can, you can't, um, the club can issue a statement. I get all of that. It's just that um, I found it quite difficult to kind of jump on the kind of, oh, what will he bring to the midfield? And isn't that great? It's like, look, let's make sure that he, you know, hasn't done what he's been accused of first, and then we can talk about it in a footballing context. Exactly. Um, Delighted with it that we can now do that because that's been made official. Good, I'm glad. But um, yeah, also a very good player, and now we can now we can focus on that aspect of it, I guess. Yeah, no, some excellent excellent recruitment, and, and, and as you say, sort of, you know, I use the the, the statement of intent uh, sort of phrase, but sort of a, a ruthlessness that I think you know yeah. starting to see come into uh, the way in which Spurs operated you know, to the end of last season, holding their nerve. Um, there's a lot of the things you have come to associate with uh, Conte um, and sort of how he operates um, sort of feels like they're sort of symbolised by a couple of, sort of the way in which Spurs have acted in the market really quickly, got these players in. Um, as you mentioned, sort of it's rare to, to to look at a summer and go, oh, we have just addressed, <laughs> we've addressed all the areas. You know, I'm sure there'll be some some varying success rates on how well some of these signings do, but uh, there always are. There's but we've, we've addressed like all the areas. Yeah, we've addressed all the areas. So that's um that's always a big big thing to do. And um I've seen like it's been hard to miss it. Like a, a, a lot of coverage around sort of you know this intense intense preseason players being <laughs> sick. You know, like Conte sort of like, being the PE teacher you all hated in school, who's like screaming at you to do extra laps in cross country or something like that, and um. Uh, you know, very intense uh, you know, drills, fitness work in preseason. I'm not too surprised. You heard about you know, Conte doing that in the past, and you know, he he does like his teams to be very very fit. Um, in terms of, and again, I'm conscious that you know, fans don't lock in fully to preseason, and um, I don't know how much of it you've seen. But what have you made of what you have seen um, so far from from preseason in terms of? How you think it's being approached? Does it sort of match what we're talking about here? Around, you know, it seems to be, you know, a real sort of focus, a real attention on sort of the important things that need to be um, improved. Um, and then also, uh, what have you seen out of sort of how some of those early tests with the teams thrown on the pitch and different formations and sort of maybe feeling out how players can certain um, sort of fill different roles? Obviously, you sort of saw around Lucas Mora recently being tested. Could he be the fabled player to become a uh, the, wing. a wing back uh, in, in in the way in which Victor Moses was uh, was transformed? Yeah. Um, how's Rikarlison going to dovetail in that front three with with Kane and Son, but also having to compete with Kulusevski? But you know, probably going to be on the right now. Um, you'd imagine yeah. for for Rikarlison. What have you seen in preseason so far? And so, yeah, what have you um, anything interesting that you've uh, been able to glean from it? It's obviously always hard to uh, take everything fully seriously. No, I mean, I, I don't think I've drawn any conclusions just because I don't care about preseason. Like, I, to me also, um, I've got to sound so old saying this, but you know, um, it's a it's a marketing exercise preseason. Yeah, um, of course. In so many ways, I, I don't just mean in the sense of like um, international tours. It's like you know the types of content that clubs release and the kind of the the way they sort of um, impart information, like the physical thing that all players being sick on sideline. Well. Um, Pochettino worked Spurs just as hard. It just it wasn't quite as public, and it didn't come with the sort of the natty sound bites with Conte saying, "Oh, I like players to suffer," and you know that's what preseason should be like. It it's run hard, run hard in in difficult climates, and you know huge humidity and you know oppressive weather and and under difficult circumstances. That's the the nature of it, I guess. 
Um, in terms of like you know the performances on the pitch, I mean, uh, the thing that's that's funny, like when when Richarlison came in, um, obviously it was kind of well, Son and Kane. Well, Kulusevski is a better player than Richarlison. Um, on the other side, um, does more. Uh, there are more aspects to his game. Uh, he was hugely influential towards the end of um, last season, and I think that's probably been my only takeaway. Um, is that sort of. Um, even at this early stage, there's a real difference between in Spurs when he's on the pitch and when he's not. Um, we haven't seen Perisic yet because he's had a little bit of an injury. Um, unfortunately, um, he's Basuma uh, contracted COVID on the way over to South Korea or he tested positive once they arrived and so hasn't been able to take part. I think he will be, he had to, he's fine, but he had to quarantine. So he's not allowed to train him and Fraser Forster. Um, Fraser Forster, not such a devastating miss in preseason. Like, <laughs> He's like yeah. a new backup goalkeeper. Um, and Longley hasn't, um, his paperwork didn't arrive. So we haven't seen him yet. And Jets fans hasn't been announced. But mm. um, I suppose the, the interesting thing is um, probably in who wasn't um, a part of the preseason. Right. So yeah. um, rather brutally, uh, Tangi and Ombly, uh, Giovanni Lothelso, uh, Sergio Reguillon, um, and as well. some. Harry Winks, that's the other yeah. one, yes. Um, we're left behind because they're all expected to leave the club or they're, be, or, or they're being kind of nudged towards the exit door. Um, but Brian Shield wasn't, which is interesting because I, I think Brian Shield's a super little footballer, but I, I don't know whether he's a Premier League footballer of the future. Um, um, and yet he, he's, been, he's been part of pre-season. Um, he seems to be very much involved in, in Conte's plans, at least at this point. So that's been interesting. I, I, I suppose... Um, I don't know. Like it's kind of, um, I, 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 I don't want to fall into the kind of the 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 trap the trap of hypocrisy because I so resented the uh, the um, conclusions drawn from Manchester United against Liverpool. It was just like I feel like we always get here with Man United and no one ever learns this lesson. Oh, like, what the, good... the the game in Bangkok? Yeah, right. And it oh, was right. and the one with the twenty kilo trophy, yeah, um, which one. Man United <laughs> wouldn't take with them because it would have cost too much in luggage. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. Fair enough, right? Like, if you're if you're organising a preseason tournament, why would you? Why would you? Why would you have a trophy which weighs twenty kilos? Yeah, it wasn't a Jules like, Yeah, it was just strange. Who, yeah. who didn't? Who, who thought that through? But like, because these are these are these are teams which are changing continent every four or five days, and and what we'll do? What we'll do for this incredibly difficult logistical exercise is make it harder. <laughs> um, anyway, so. I don't want to be the guy that goes, oh, I suppose it's going to be, you know, um, I, I have no idea, but I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I tend to get through to about October, November, because you always have a little bit of a difficult times in August and September. Um, we have a strange season, obviously, because of the World Cup this year. But um, I think anytime you've got new signings and like new abilities to, to weave into your side, you're going to take a little bit of time to, to see the benefit of them. So, as long as they can have a, a solid enough start, um, we'll see. But no, 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 um, no conclusion. We had a Spurs' best ever preseason came in, um, came before, uh, uh, Ramos was sacked for the, um, infamous, uh, uh, two points from eight game start. Like they were amazing in preseason. Everyone lost their mind and we're going to win the league. And, um, they did not win the league. And Wendy Ramos got sacked by, I think, the end of October. Um, so ever since then, if there's any Spurs fan alive who tells you that they're they're um they're tuned into uh, preseason, then you, you need to give them a little history lesson. Uh, yeah. But it, it all seems fine. Look, I think on a more serious note, like what matters after the last couple of years is that 
there's no unhappiness. There's no agitation by players wanting to leave. There's no. Do you remember how that Kane story dominated last summer? Or of course, like, you know, the ridiculous search for a manager and and like none of that. That's what I care about during preseason. I, I want harmony, um, and I want uh, I want to have the feeling that things are progressing smoothly and everybody's on the same page and everybody's preparing, and that's been the case this year. So no complaints. Yeah, I think you touched upon it there about the players who've been left um, out of the out of the tour, um, and yeah, interesting that Brian Yield has been given a um, a chance to sort of, I wouldn't say prove himself, but sort of see how he can be a part of uh, Conte's plans. I mean, are, are there players amongst the ones who are on the tour who you think that this you know this this preseason is actually particularly important for them? Maybe in terms of sort of they're going to be facing increased competition now. I'm thinking of players like Hoiberg or. Um, yeah. in other positions. Yeah, Hoiberg's an interesting one because he had a good season. Um, he's not the most popular player in the fan base, but uh, Bentoncourt is very, very important uh, defensively also with his passing ability. Not a very progressive player, but his lateral passing ability is excellent. Um, and obviously with Basuma coming in, that is a big signing and he's going to play, probably. Um so it's difficult for Hoiberg. I feel like there's a bit of a conversation to happen in defence as well because, um, well, um, for someone like Ryan Sessignon, Ryan Sessignon had a really good end to the season. He was very, very good at Anfield, um, really built on that, seemed to get fit, stay fit. Um, he did the, the classic thing of posting uh, Instagram videos of, of himself doing weights and running and, you know, like getting in shape, which mm. is like the modern version of the Rocky montage, isn't it, that every footballer seems to do. Yeah, Benzema um, sets the always, standard, really. And then yeah, the right. Rest of oh, well, actually, I always remember Loris Karras's after the uh, oh, after yeah. Champions League when he, he, he was like, uh, it was it was of him running up a hill and he was getting ready. Yeah, we can like, rebuild him. <laughs> we, can, we, we can rebuild him. We did not rebuild him. But no, we tried. it didn't happen. No. Uh, it did not happen, though. Um so uh, important for Sessignon. I feel like Sessignon is really well placed actually because Perisic are going to start, but um, there's a lot of games to play this season, a lot of minutes, and uh, even Perisic is 33 years old. He, he, he's not going to play 60 games. Um, and what a great role model to have in your position. I mean, that's fantastic. Like it, it just to, to 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 learn from someone that's won the Champions League and won titles in different countries and mm. and. Just uh, like a, a proper pro. Um, so I think it's great for him to be able to split time. Um, I think uh, very interesting to see what happens with Longley and Davis. Davis, uh, I, I think Davis surprised everybody. I think Davis had arguably the best six months of his of his career at Spurs um, towards the end of last season. He was absolutely outstanding um, and had some really, really good games in central defence and really adapted to it well. I know he kind of plays that position for Wales, but um, not so much at club level, Premier League level. So it's kind of different kettle of fish um so yeah but then these are good things because you want competition and you want i think one of the, the big problems with spurs is particularly from kind of particularly for the last couple of years under pochettino was that ugh, that first team was just set in stone like even to the point where you know he didn't even have a choice to rotate his fullbacks anymore which was a kind of um a hallmark of the the early years like you had this guy needs to play or in trouble um there were too many of those players like you know either this guy's fit or there's an issue like Kane someone yes but players like Dembele um or Christian Eriksen or um <laughs> I suppose like even even though he kind of he was moving towards the the latter stage of his of his career like Toby Alderweireld was like that even before he just before he left the club like you needed him to play 
Um, and now that isn't quite the case. You've probably got, instead of a first team of like 12 or 13 players, it's probably about 16, 17 now. Like, would you be concerned about playing Ryan Sessegnon instead of even Perisic? Not really. Um, you know, Chad Spence is there, like, you know, he's a, an able deputy or competition for Doherty and Emerson Royale if he stays. Like, these are good things. These are good problems. And also, we've talked about Basuma and Hoiberg, but like, okay, so one for the other kind of changes the dynamic of the team, I guess. But is anybody worried about that selection? I don't think so. In the same way that, you know, um, back in the day, having to, you know, play Jake Livermore instead of Scott Parker or Luka Modric used to be like, yeah. <laughs> it's different. Um, and these, these are good problems. And also Spurs, Spurs are not a, a rival of Man City and Liverpool. I think they can rival Chelsea this season. Um, they're a long way behind the top two, and but I think everybody is. Um, but I think um, it's kind of uh, they they will compete for those kind of um, instead of it just being a kind of fourth to seventh, it's probably third to sixth this season. Okay. I think they pulled from like West Ham and stuff, and Man United. Who knows? Whatever. Um, it will you know be the circus that it always is. Um, but I feel like you know Spurs have made some ground on Chelsea. They can compete like one on one basis, and you know games between those I wouldn't be comfortable picking a winner in the same way that I was last year and I just knew Chelsea was superior in every way for long periods um so um it's all good it's it's really interesting it's um I feel good about it yeah I, was, I mean I, I, you you came onto it anyway but I was, I was, I was going to ask I remember seeing a video uh, I think it um John McKenzie had done it for TIFO um on sort of just how yeah how close are Spurs to be able to challenge um Liverpool and City um sort of broke it down to sort of how they'd been making so their points, uh, points per season over a period of time mm-hmm. and sort of the, way, the areas in which they would need to improve and sort of the, the games in which they could pick up those points to, to shorten the gap. And, but yeah, it sounds interesting that you're there. You're, you're, you're talking about, you know, competing with Chelsea, making ground, trying to, um, solidify a third, that third place really or battle for that third place. And as you mentioned, United, yeah, the, yeah, the show Very continues, nice. whatever's going to be happening there. But, um, it, in, in that case, I'd say, and just as a final question, then just to, um, what have you made of other teams' businesses? Is, is it, are, are there any deals that you you really like the look of? You mentioned uh, Gabriel Jesus to Arsenal, sort of an interesting one yeah, earlier on. Are there, are there any ones yeah. that sort of stood out to you? Um, well, I mean, <laughs> I suppose adding Erlen Corland is not a bad thing, is it? Really, if you're from oh, the yeah. city, not too um, bad. That's an obvious one. I, I like Julian Alvarez. I, we, yes. we brought him up in a, a Central Transfers podcast over on TIFO about three years ago now when he was just coming through at River Plate and he, it, he was more of a, we weren't, we didn't, it wasn't a deep dive. It was just like, this guy's kind of interesting. Could be something. Didn't know that he'd be a Man City player. I just thought it would be a kind of <laughs> interesting and a kind of he'll crop up somewhere like Severe at some point, you know, one of those. Um, I, I don't know what I think of Liverpool. I, I'm particularly with Nunes because I'm I'm really I'm really torn on him in the sense that I I think he's a good player but I'm I'm a little troubled by how much he spent on him mm-hmm. um because I don't know like I I suppose anytime you have a player whose reputation grows um exponentially over a very short period of time I'm a little bit wary um I certainly saw enough of him in the Champions League to think yeah good player I mean certainly even just in the games against Liverpool um <clears throat> But I, I just wonder. I, I suppose it's not. It's not really a question over whether um, he's a good player. It's wh- whether he can suit the system. Just because I think there's a really good little um, trio there. Like Salah's staying, Jota's there, Diaz is there, Firmino is still there. Like 
I I like that. I mean, I I, I don't I don't necessarily. I mean, you add in like someone like a uh, Harvey Elliott potentially to play. Um, mm-hmm. I know he's probably an advanced midfielder, but you, you, he could play from that right side, I guess. Um, I, I think Carvalho is a super player. I don't quite know what the plan is in terms of um, what the pathway is for him, whether mm-hmm. he's going to be getting a lot of first few minutes, but I saw enough of him to think he's an excellent player. Yeah. And, and that's he's a really great nice... in pre-season, he's, actually. He's really, he's really stood out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's me. Like, he, he's, so, he's so talented, and I think that's a really nice pickup for you guys. Um, I, I don't really... Um, I think one of the problems in Liverpool is there isn't a lot to do. Like you're in great shape. Um, the squad, the age profile of a lot of those players is good. Um, even you know, I, I think um, I've just finished writing um, a sensible transfers episode for uh, Tifo, um, which is coming out in a, a, about ten days. And we chose, we didn't, we decided not to kind of add um, anyone at first team level. We kind of just thought, right. Here are some sort of younger players who should be on Liverpool's radar in the next two or three years. Interesting. Um, because, yeah, because there isn't really a deficiency. Do you see what I mean? Like, I mean, mm. you, you could have better players. I, I suppose you could replace a navigator with someone who provided you with more stable production. Yes, probably. Is there a problem in navigator? No, I don't think so. I mean, in terms of what he provides and in terms of is that midfield lacking anything? Um, no. I don't think so. Um, even even at, even at fullback, like I, I think Simicus is a great player. Yeah, no, I like, <laughs> like him I would well. actually. I, I think I, I, I I'm full of admiration for Andy Robertson's achieve. I think Simicus might be a better player. Um, technically, um, mm-hmm. I think there's a I think that's a little bit of a closer contest than it's generally assumed. Um, I think so. But he's great. Um, Kanate is. I tell you, I remember saying when. Yeah, the yeah the choice between him the, and uh, <laughs> yeah yeah. Oh, honestly, by me, he went for the wrong player. Like, I, I think McCartney is a good player. Canate is an excellent one. Like, a, a truly outstanding one. Um, that moment in the, um, I forget who it was. I think it might have been Vinicius. When Vinicius cut inside him in the Champions League final, and you just thought, Vinicius is amongst the quickest wingers in world football, particularly with the ball at his feet. And you saw Canate eat up the ground to just take it away from him. It's extraordinary yeah, play. He was really great that day, yeah. Uh, he's just, uh, I think, he's, and also, given his lack of experience and given his age, can you imagine what he'd be in two or three years' time? Like, you know, injuries aside, all that kind of stuff. Like, mm. playing alongside Van Dyke, having those abilities and that potential, that's about as good a platform as you could possibly ask for. Great Interesting to see uh, Gomez decide to, to sign on as well, right? That's, uh, yeah. yeah. You, you forget, forget just how <laughs> young he is as well, but yeah, I think he's... Um... Must have been assured that he's going to get more looking, and because at, at, at that age, I suppose you you are you are a little bit of a crossroads as to do yeah. I do I need more first team football? Because I actually think he's probably, I do think he's probably one of, one of England's most talented centre backs. To be honest, I agree. Uh, I agree. He doesn't get a look. I think he'd start for him. Yeah. Like if he mm. also True. if he'd stay fit, like Liverpool probably wouldn't have signed a couple of the players yeah. in his position. Um so I feel a little bit sorry for Joe Gomez. I mean, I, I just more than anything else, you just want him to stay fit. It's just a horrible thing for football not to be able to play. Mm. Um, I was a little bit surprised you let Nico Williams leave, um, but then for that kind of money, that's just absurd. I mean, well done, but it you just can't you can't pay nearly twenty million pounds for a player um, uh, who you know he's a he's a good player, but it's still surrounded by quite a lot of uncertainty just because there's no guarantees that. In a, like if you're a Nottingham Forest, that you can um, 
they can get 20 million pounds worth of return out of someone like that or 17 million or whatever it was but also like um that's probably the only area where there's a sort of an issue like if, if trent alexander arnold was to get injured that's a problem yeah i, thought. I don't know yeah i imagine it's going to be that. i imagine that's going to be earmarked for gomez for a little bit um which i sort of feel the way about but yeah gomez dovet- dovetails there um uh, actually last season i was like very surprised by the quality of uh of Joe Gomez's crossing. <laughs> I think he might, he's yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, probably yeah, been yeah. drilled on like, okay, if, if this is where I'm going to get my minutes, I need to be able to, to whip in a cross. And he's actually been pretty good in there. And obviously there's, um, you know, Callum Ramsey, but yeah, I, I don't imagine he'll, he'll be getting to. Oh, I've completely forgotten about Callum Ramsey. Uh, Calvin Ramsey. Uh, Calvin Ramsey, sorry. Yeah. Calvin. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so I completely forgot about him. Yeah. He's, he's there at right back, isn't he? Um, he's so young, it all looks great. Yeah. Like I suppose elsewhere, um, city, fine. City of city. Um, Chelsea, uh, don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know, because, <laughs> yeah. um, I felt like they needed a, um, I felt like they needed a central midfielder. Um, yeah. I think Kante's best are, are gone. Um, and I think Jorginho, I think Jorginho, that little spike in popularity that Jorginho enjoyed around the, um, the European Championship, I think, um, that's ebbed away a little bit. Um, because we've, he's gone back to just being Jorginho again. Um, Good player, not an outstanding one. Um, Man United. <laughs> um, it's just, it, it's just, um, it's just nonsense. I think. Yeah, like, Ericsson. Yeah, that's weird. Well, I'm happy with Ericsson. I think he could have. I, I actually, financially, it's obviously the right decision because no one's going to offer him that kind of money or no. that, that those those years. I just feel from a footballing perspective, he'd been better off at Brentford. Um, mm. He was yeah. so well. Like he was central to things at Man United. Like the fear is, is that, um, and this is really based on my my affection for Christian Eriksen. Um, you don't want to see him getting lost within a bad system and just having to to see out his days in a kind of muddle of a midfield because it's so many so many good players have suffered. this. He could end up like Juan um, Mata, couldn't he? Really? Um, yeah, but Man United ruin players. Like you know, they they take away players that I really enjoy watching. So Jaden Sancho, when people talk about oh Bundesliga attack. Nonsense. Man United tax. Yeah. Like it's a kind of, you know, you, you take players away and you, you don't surround them with the right components. You don't put them in the right place in the system. And, and you just think that by spending the, the money and paying the wages, you're going to get performance. And you just think that's not how it works. If you look at where these players have come from. Um, I mean, on, and I, on I, that, there's, there's a slow, the slow, the slow moving car crash of, uh, of the Frankie Dion. Uh, yeah. yeah so, but, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about that. It's, it's kind of feels it's really a, sad. <laughs> it's yeah. just so boring, Harry. Yeah. It's so boring. It, it's just. I also um, I feel a little bit sorry for Frankie Dion in the sense that he doesn't obviously does not want to play for Man United. No. He wants to Barcelona. He's owed an awful lot of money by Barcelona, and somehow he's being kind of he's being obliged to leave like fourteen million euros on the table. It's like on the contract. They get, at the same time, like imagine. Being Frankie de Jong this summer and watching them signing Rodrigo and you know uh, Lewandowski and, and, and Rafinha and <laughs> Andres Christiansen to say, do you know what? Stop buying players. Stop buying players. Just yeah. stop it. Just, just you don't need it. You you know you have these, this this wonderful little group of sort of Gavi and Pedri and Ansi Fati and uh, it's fun to watch and uh, there's a couple of others underneath like Alex Balde and and, and people like that um, uh, uh, and Nico as well. And, and 
yeah, still, it's like it's like a compulsion, isn't it? It's like, oh no, we, we have to have the, you know, we're going to sell off ten percent of our TV rights so that we can we can sign Andreas Christensen. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And and obviously, um, I live in Germany, and um, the coverage of the Lewandowski affair has been uh, almost total, and um, I just can't believe that Bayern Munich have sold a thirty-three-year-old with one year left in his contract who didn't want to play for them mm. to a club who have no money for nearly 50 million euros it's extraordinary I think the issue with, with the transfer has been that I don't think they believe it either even <laughs> even now it's gone yeah. through I'm not sure they're actually fully confident they're going to get this, <laughs> this, this it's amazing this so like it's, because kind of like that's the kind of player that you you happy you happily pay the wages um because you add quality and you might get another two really good years from him. But you're talking 50 million euros and there's no resale value. So it's, the whole thing is just dead away lost. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like I, I also, I know that, um, I know that not everything has to be placed within a kind of Johan Cruyff context, but I just don't see Lewandowski as that kind of player. Like I, I see him as the best penalty box finisher in world football. Mm. And I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm interested. I mean, I, I look, I'm looking forward to watching. It's just, um, you know, if you imagine you're Bayern Munich and you sell him for, uh, 20 million more than you get Sadio Mane for. And you've added, uh, Masraoui, Gravenbach, and probably Matthias de Ligt. <laughs> Mm. Well done. Yeah, fa- 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 <laughs> fascinated by that. How that delict yeah. that, that delict transfer will go because I think yeah he's he's another one who could uh, could do with a little bit of a rehabilitation. So yeah, it'll be interesting Definitely. to see how that Definitely. see how that goes. But um, anyway, Seb, yeah, thanks. I mean, yeah, we 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 found we found a lot to talk about. Um, despite the fact that it feels like yeah, <laughs> football's only been um. <laughs> hey. under- the the um the Zweidebundsliga in Germany started yesterday or oh. started on Friday night. It's back now. It's the it's it's middle of July. So um I live in Hamburg and we got we got two teams. So you know the football season started. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm in denial. It's hot outside yeah. and it's football and you know everyone's supposed to still be on their holidays. And here we go. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to accept it. Sooner, sooner, sooner rather than later, certainly because I'm going to be doing these podcasts. So, um, uh, <laughs> but as always, yeah, pleasure to, to speak with you. And yeah, um, yeah, I think good of all the conversations we've had actually around, um, yeah, probably the most positive one we've had actually around sort of where, um, season hasn't started yet. So, <laughs> that's why. <what, laughs> <laughs> this is true. Catch, catch me in like October. <laughs> this is true. Um, but just before, um, uh, I do let you go because uh, I obviously caught you mentioning it there are uh, the sensible trans, uh, sensible transfers, uh, piece you, that you'd done with Tifo for, for Liverpool. Is there anything that, that you wanted to, to plug? Well, no, but I mean, you mentioned, um, obviously over at Tifo, we've, um, added John McKenzie. Yes. Um, John's yeah. come in and he's doing a fantastic job. Friend um, of the pod. Yeah. So. Yeah, great guy. Um, great addition for Tifo, real coup for us. Um, and, uh, yeah, some of the stuff he's doing over on the RL channel is great. So keep an eye on that. And, um, yeah, the Illustrator channel, um, sensible transfers will be, um, I think, uh, I think next Wednesday, I think I'd have to look at my schedule. Um, but, uh, either Wednesday or Friday of next week. So, um, and then throughout the season, we'll be doing, we'll be doing quite a bit of World Cup stuff. So we, we're looking at some of the kind of the social bits and, you know, some of the logistical issues and the um, range of challenges in every sense that the Qatar World Cup presents. So we'll be covering that between now and the beginning of the tournament. 
Yeah, I think that's 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 well put. I think um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on that. And um, just to all those who are listening, um, yeah, thank you uh, for sort of tuning in. It's, it's going to be um, sort of this uh, little mini preseason series we're doing here on uh, Anfield Index Pro, just looking at um, yeah the top four, the top four teams, um, and sort of yeah, discussing the shape in which we find them in, or the three of them anyway. So next we'll be covering uh, Chelsea, uh, and uh, yeah, seeing what shape they're in as they. Uh, as they uh, tour LA, there's been some been some great photos. Yeah, we'll obviously discuss Sterling, we'll discuss Koulibaly and more. But uh, yeah, do keep your eyes peeled for that. That should be out in the next week or so. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds. And it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.